Excellent. Let's just pray. Lord, we want to hear from you this morning. I want to hear your heart for the world, your heart for sinners, and your heart for those of us that are saved and what you have in store for us. Come and speak to us this morning, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, going to be a bit different this morning because the way this has kind of come out, I think it's going to be a bit more like a Bible study than a preach. So if you've got your Bibles, then grab them because we are going to be uh, jumping in and out of the Scriptures quite a lot this morning because I don't really want you to just listen to what I have to say. What I want to do this morning is I want to bring truth and the best truth that I can bring you is not what I say, it's actually what God says to us. So a lot of the verses that we're going to look at this morning are really key verses in the Bible that talk about how we've become Christians, how we're saved and what God's heart is for us. And so rather than me just spouting off, I just want us to look at the scriptures and see what the scriptures say. So we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 2, my favorite chapter of the Bible. I can never read this too many times. Ephesians 2 verse 4 to 10. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. Hallelujah. And you can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Okay, fantastic uh, verse, fantastic part of the scripture. And I know that during August, if you were here, I preached on those verses and uh, as I preached over the summer a couple of times, it began to, um, I began to realize that in all the preaching I was doing, what I was actually talking about is Christ in us. And I kind of mentioned that a few times over the summer. And um, then I was reading, um, I have a daily reading from John Piper that comes up on my uh, phone. And just a little daily reading, a couple of minutes. And uh, he did this thing about what it means to be in Christ. And it was just excellent. And I thought, I've got to preach on this. So that's what I'm going to do today. I am going to preach on what it means for us to be in Christ. So that's where we're starting. Okay. Who said this? Fear, worry, concern. All these things don't define me. Because I am in Christ. Joy comes when we move that knowledge from our head to our heart. Anyone know who said that? Peter Williams. Yes. Last week. You were listening. Very good. I was hoping no one was going to get it. 
<laughs> Dr. Peter Williams. Fear, worry, and he said this because I wrote it down. Fear, worry, concern. All these things don't define me because I am in Christ. Joy comes when we move that knowledge from our head to our heart. And that's exactly what I want to do this morning, is try and move that knowledge that we have in our head actually into our heart so we believe it, that we are in Christ. Absolutely key and vital. And Paul's epistles are all about this truth, that we are in Christ. And the whole time, he keeps referring back to us how we were, which was in Adam, so we are sinful by our nature. We're in Adam. We suffer because of the God, what happened in the Garden of Eden. We are in Adam, and now we are in Christ. And it is this transformation that Paul is absolutely desperate for us to understand. And uh, as we go through today, that is what I want us to look at. We were in Adam, but now God has changed us, and now we are in Christ. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, He's, he's, he preached on Ephesians, and uh, it's just so good. This is about the, the little bit that we read earlier. Here I suggest we see more clearly than anywhere else in the Bible the profound change that one undergoes by becoming a Christian. It is not merely a superficial change. It is not merely that we don some robe of respectability or decency or morality. It's not some surface improvement or some temporal change, it is as profound as this, that we are taken from one realm and we are put into another. As God brought the Lord Jesus Christ out of the grave and from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, so the apostle teaches us that the change we undergo in our rebirth and regeneration leads to this corresponding change in us. Hallelujah. It is in order that the Ephesian Christians may come to understand this more fully that pr Paul prays for them, the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know and understand what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. And that's what I want to do this morning. I want us to understand how amazing this transformation is. That once we were in Adam, our nature was sinful. But now, we're in Christ Jesus. No longer are we slaves to sin. We sang that this morning. That is an absolutely key point. We are no longer slaves to sin. And yet, sin's pull is so strong on us that often we act as though we are still slaves to sin. But the truth is, we're not. We're slaves to righteousness. And Paul teaches this throughout his epistles. You have been changed in the most dramatic way. One kingdom into another. No longer are you in Adam. No longer are you a slave to sin. Now you're in Christ. You are a slave to righteousness. What a tremendous change. Yes, Neil, you say, don't you? Oh, hard work. This is an amazing change. This is absolutely fantastic. I get excited when, you know I get excited. I get excited because this change is so dramatic. And, you know, it's not just some superficial change, as Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said. It's not some, some little thing that has happened to us. This is incredible. This is life-changing what has happened to you. 
life-changing. You are in Christ. Hallelujah. What a change. Okay. Let's have the first. I've done a PowerPoint. Can I just say I have nothing to do with this. My daughter did it for me. I don't do PowerPoint. Right. Look at this. So Peter encouraged us last week to think about love is. And uh, the old cartoons, you know, love is. We looked a few up yesterday on the internet. Love is holding hands when it's raining and this, that and the other, all that stuff. So I thought, okay, such a romantic. What we'll do is we will do love is today. So love is, first of all, being in Because it's all about love. We actually sang that this morning. It's all about love. Why has God done this? Because he loves you. He loves you. He delights in you. We read it earlier. You are his masterpiece. I know you don't feel like it, nor do I. But it's true. You are God's masterpiece. Let that just sink into your thinking. You're his masterpiece. He's created you to give him glory. You're his creation. And it's all about love. It's all about how much he loves you and what he wants to do for you. So I've got seven truths this morning that I want to bring out. We may not get through seven, but if you're taking notes or you're listening on the tape, there are going to be seven. I promise. (laughs) Right, so... First one, love is, look at that, it's cool, isn't it? I didn't do this, I promise you. So the first thing, God chose us before the foundation of the world to redeem us and forgive us our sins. You're chosen by God before the foundation of the world. Now it's really hard to get your head around that, isn't it? God sat down before the world was created and wrote your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's what the Bible says. You were chosen. Peter Williams, Neil Garrett, Angela, Dave. He chose you. He wrote your name in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. And sometimes we struggle with that. We can't get our heads around it, but it's true. You have been chosen by God. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 to 8, says this. Even before he made the world, God loved us. It's all about love. Even before he made the world, God loved us And chose us in Christ Jesus to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. We've already heard from Steve this morning about that. God adopted us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son 
and forgave our sins. He has showed us his kindness along with all wisdom and understanding. Chosen because he loved us. Romans 8 verse 29 says this, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. That's me and you. He chose you before the foundation of the world to redeem us, to forgive us our sins. He brought us into his family, no longer slaves, but as sons and daughters of the king. That's your position in Christ. Son and a daughter of the king. And it's really important that we know that and understand that because the enemy will tell you that is not true. The enemy will constantly be in your ear telling you that you are useless and that you are a failure and that you are a sinner and you constantly let God down and you don't deserve to be in his presence and you shouldn't go on Sunday and you shouldn't go to midweek group because you will drag everybody else down. And that is what the enemy constantly does. You have to come against him with truth. The truth is I was chosen before the foundation of the world in love because God loved me. And I am a son of the king. And I may not feel like it, but that's the truth. And always you have to come against the enemy with truth. When Jesus was taken into the wilderness and tempted by the devil, what did he do? He came against him with truth. And what was that truth? It was the scriptures. He told him the scriptures. Because it's truth. And it's truth for me. And it's truth for you. Okay, second one. It's catching up. Love is that we are a new creation in Jesus Christ. Sons and daughters of the King. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. If any man or woman is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new and all are from God. Great verse. Underline it. Truth. If any man is in Christ, you're a new creation. What you were like before is gone. Now you are in Christ. You're a new creation. The things that held you back before no longer count. Because you're a new creation in Christ. Galatians 4 verse 4 says this. But when the right time came... When the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so he could adopt us as his very own children. God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you're no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Truth. Another verse that we need to know. And uh, wonderful scriptures. We need to start believing them and we need to start living in that truth. I've preached so many times about the fact that we don't view ourselves as sons and daughters. We view ourselves as slaves. And when you're a son and your daughter, you have different rights to those that you have as slaves. 
And I've said it before about Jack coming in to the house after school and going into the kitchen and he goes straight into the toaster, puts the toaster on, makes himself a cup of tea. Why can he do that? Does he not have to wait outside and ask to come in? Well, no, he doesn't. Why? Because he's a son. He comes in, he goes straight in into the kitchen. Those are his rights. Listen, those are your rights. Do you want to come into God's presence? You just come in. You don't stand outside waiting to be invited in. You come in. Why? Because that's your right as a son and daughter. He wants you in the house. He wants you in his presence. And do you have to stand back in the corner? No, you don't. He says, come and eat at the table. There is a feast spread for you because you're my son and my daughter and I love you. And don't get caught up by standing outside and feeling inadequate which is what all of us do from time to time. He says, no, these are your rights. In Christ, you're a new creation. You're a son and you're a daughter of the king. Hallelujah. Okay, next one. Love is that we are justified before God and the righteousness of Christ is given to you. Justified, it's a strange word. It's not kind of a word that we use very much but it's from the legal system and it means made right and I looked it up actually in the Collins English Dictionary I'm like that kind of looking up things and it was really good I was thinking normally you look up something in a, in a you know and it's um, some Christian thing or whatever this is the Collins English Dictionary to change from sinfulness to righteousness by the transforming effects of grace imputed or attributed to the sinner through Christ. That's pretty good, isn't it? To change from sinfulness to righteousness by the transforming effects of grace attributed to the sinner through Christ. And this is what has happened. This is what's called the great exchange. Jesus takes all your sin and all your badness on the cross, all of it, and instead of t- and he takes that and it's finished and instead of that and now he gives you a robe of righteousness which is Jesus righteousness not yours because you don't have any <coughs> any righteousness you have is like dirty rags to change from sinfulness to righteousness this is what we were talking about before this great change 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says for God made Christ who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Hallelujah. What a verse. That's the truth. You've been made right with God through Christ. 1 John 4 verse 10. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Now that word propitiation, I love that word. We never use it in our English language, but it means this, a sacrifice that turns away God's wrath and turns it to favor. How good is that? A sacrifice that turns away God's wrath and turns it to favor. Turning wrath into love through sacrifice. Oh, fantastic. In this is love, not that we loved God, that he loved us and sent his son to turn away wrath 
into love through sacrifice. And that's what the cross is all about. You are justified not because of anything you have done. You are justified because Jesus did it all on the cross. He took your sin. He nailed it to the cross. Now you have a robe of righteousness. We still sin, yes. Someone said this morning, come and ask for forgiveness, Phil. Come, if you have sin, come and ask for forgiveness. It's dealt with. And that's true. We will still sin. We're not suddenly perfect. Not until we get to glory. Wonderful verses and truth again. Okay, next one. We are justified. We are sanctified. So in Christ we are being sanctified or made holy. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2 says, He made you holy by means of Jesus Christ, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus. Galatians 5, to 25, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Those who belong in Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Sanctification is not a one-off hit. I wish it was. (laughs) But it's not. It's a lifetime of being sanctified. You know, at work... um, we deal with some kind of high-value stuff, and part of what we deal with is um, diamonds. And when diamonds come in, they're called rough diamonds, and that's exactly what they are. They're really rough. And you look at them and you think, well, that's not worth anything. It's brown and it's horrible and it's mucky and it, you can't see through it. There's no clarity or anything. Why would you pay money for that? But you see, that's how it comes out of the ground. Then you take it and you wash it and you cut it into little pieces and you clean it and you brush it and you do everything and you polish it and finally something comes out that is beautiful and it's got clarity and you can see through it and the light shines through it into the spectrum and it is amazing. And that's just a small picture of what God does for us. He takes us with all our rough edges. He takes us with all the dirt of sin that has accumulated in our lives and he washes us in the blood of Jesus and he starts to work on us and chip us away and do all the rough edges and polish us and finally, when we get to glory, there is going to be something of beauty that pleases Jesus and we're going to be at the marriage feast and we're going to be presented and we are going to be beautiful. We're going to be valuable. And that's when God's masterpiece comes out. He says, yes, here are your people. And at that moment, when sin has gone, you are going to be like that diamond. You are going to be beautiful. Not that you're not beautiful now. Some of you. But we are getting there. It every single day. Less of Neil, more of Jesus. Less of my anger, less of my temper, less of my, all my bad things, all my bad habits, less of those, more of Jesus. What is that process? Sanctification. 
God working on us. God changing us, changing our heart, changing our thinking so that we can have the fruits of the Spirit, fruits of the Spirit as we read in Galatians. Don't you want to have those? Love, joy, peace, patience. Oh, give me patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Gentleness, self-control, fruits of the Spirit. That is what we want, to be more like Jesus, less of ourselves. He's doing it. I promise he's doing it. Hallelujah. Okay, next one. Love is. We are loved by God with an everlasting love. Hallelujah. We're loved by God with an everlasting love. Romans 8, verse 38 to 39. I'm convinced, this is Paul speaking, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Neither death, nor life, nor angels or demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. That's specifically for Peter, that little bit. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Hallelujah. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hallelujah. Nothing can separate us from God's amazing love. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. I pray that you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide how long, how high and how deep God's love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete in him. You know, we used to sing that chorus when we were kids, didn't we? The love of Jesus is so wonderful. So high, you can't get over it. So low, you can't get under it. You have to do the actions. So wide, you can't get around it. And what's the other bit? A wonderful love. There you go. We have sung that here, haven't we? (laughs) Yeah. But actually, that's exactly what Paul is saying. This is, you need to understand what God's love is like for you. It is so high you can't get over it. It is so low you can't get under it. It is so wide you can't get round it. And that's why when you sin, the enemy comes in and says, well, that's it. Your relationship with God is finished. And God says, oh, hold on a minute. My love, you can't get over it. You can't get under it. It's too wide. It's everlasting. I love you. Full stop. I love you. You're his masterpiece. He loves you. No matter what kind of a week you have, whether you have a bad week or a good week, he loves you. No matter if you sin, He loves you. No matter if you let yourself down, he loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. Hallelujah. I love your testimony this morning. It was so good. 
I knew there was something wrong with him last week. And I knew I was going to have to go up and say, are you all right? Never say to me, you're fine. Because I won't believe you. And luckily, he didn't. He said, no, I've had a terrible week. And we prayed. And God has worked. Hallelujah. Now, why did God say that to me? Because he wanted to do something in me? No, because he wanted to do something for my brother. He wanted to break the power of the enemy that is giving him that hard time at work. He wants to set him free. Why? Because he loves him. Because he loves him. So he speaks to another brother and he says, go and pray with him. When God prompts you in those areas, do it. Don't hold back. Because God's doing it. He is doing it for you, actually, because he's encouraging you to listen to him and to act. And when we do that and someone says, you know, I'm so glad you've come to pray for me then it encourages your faith. But what does it do? It sets him free. It shows God loves, God's love to him. That God is interested in the difficulty we have in the workplace every week. And we think they're so mundane that God can't be interested. But he is interested. And he will come and he will work and he will act. Hallelujah. I'm so pleased to see Debbie here today. I had her on my heart so much, completely out of the blue. When we were in Italy, and I was thinking, why is Debbie on my heart? So the only thing I can do when that happens is just pray. And I don't know what I'm praying about. I'm just praying for Debbie. Bless her, Lord. Whatever, whatever's going on, just be with her. And here she is today. That is such a blessing to me. Hallelujah. Such a blessing for Deborah as well. Bless her. Now I'm in a different country. I'm in Italy. I'm on holiday. And God says to me, pray for Debbie. What is that all about? Why can't he tell someone in Bakewell? Probably because they're all on holiday. (laughs) But when God does that, don't miss that opportunity. Just take it. I don't know what I'm praying, Lord, but I'm just praying for my sister. I'm praying for my brother. Maybe they're having a terrible day. Pray. God, show them your everlasting love. Show them your amazing love. Hallelujah. Bless you. Right. Number six. We're nearly there. Being in Christ brings peace. Six to seven. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Tremendous verse. Tremendous truth. His peace will guard your hearts and minds, even at three o'clock in the morning. Peter, are you listening? God will guard your heart and mind at three o'clock in the morning. He's not the only one that needs to hear that. I wake up so early sometimes and immediately my mind is whizzing with work stuff and issues and problems. And you go through it all in your mind and you think, this is going to happen and they're going to say that and I'm going to say that. And da, 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 da. And you're wide awake at like four in the morning and thinking, what is going on? Pray. Come and guard my heart in the middle of the night. Lord Jesus. He promises he will. His peace 
will guard your hearts and minds. And I have to learn to do that because I just let my mind go off on this huge tandem and just then I go downstairs and make a cup of tea and that's it, I'm awake. His peace will guard your hearts and minds. We need to learn these things. John 14 verse 27 says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift to the world. Sorry. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So do not be afraid. The world searches for peace. Individually and collectively, the world searches for peace and doesn't find it. And Jesus says, I will bring you peace. Hallelujah. Okay, number seven. I told you there was going to be seven, and there is. Love is that in Christ we are seated with him in heavenly places, and we have eternal life with him. Hallelujah. This is actually two, but I've put them into one. Never mind. Ephesians 2 verse 6. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ. Doesn't feel like it most of the time, but it's true. We've already gone and read in Ephesians chapter 1. The, the very same scripture. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ our Lord. Yeah, the bit we read earlier was Ephesians, sorry, Ephesians chapter 2. Even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. It is only by God's grace you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. What Paul is trying to explain to us here is this change from one realm into another. And he's saying, basically saying, if you are in Christ, then even as Christ was raised from the dead and now sits with the Father in glory, this is exactly the same for you. This is the change that has happened for you. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, just as Jesus was dead in the tomb. And the Father made him alive on the third day. That's what he's done for us. We're dead in our trespasses and sins, and he comes and he makes us alive. And he's saying that it's exactly the same process. He is seated with in the heavenly places. So are you. So are you. Now you won't be there fully until we go to glory. But your place is there. You are of this world, but you're not of this world. It's this in-between we've spoken about many times. Wonderful truth. Hallelujah. All these promises are so important for us to remember and understand. And these are the building blocks of our faith, of what salvation is all about. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says, For all God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen ascends to God, are fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen ascends to God. For his glory. Hallelujah. And lastly, Philippians 4.19 says this, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs 
from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. What you've experienced if you're saved this morning is rich. It's rich. I'm not going to talk about rich chocolate cake, but it is rich. That's how good it is. Get excited when we worship. You are free to get excited. Why? Because what you've experienced is an amazing transformation. It's amazing what God has done. He chose you before the foundation of the world. You were slaves to sin. You, it, the Bible says you were without hope. You had no hope. And Jesus comes and he makes you alive. And he gives you hope and he brings you peace and he justifies you and he sanctifies you and he brings you into glory. This is amazing salvation. Chosen before the foundation of the world. Saved. Forgiven. Made a new creation in Christ. Justified and sanctified. We are loved with an everlasting love. We have peace that is beyond our understanding. And we are seated with Christ in heavenly places and look forward to an eternity with Jesus. There is only one thing to do, and that is worship. Can we have the worship team back? Let's come and worship this amazing and wonderful Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this amazing salvation for each of us that are Christians this morning. We just thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for us. Forgive us that we wallow in our self-pity sometimes. We let sin overcome us, Lord Jesus, and still you love us. Still you have us back. We thank you for your grace and your mercy, which is new every morning. Lord Jesus, come and sink these things into our hearts. Sink them in that we may know the truth of our lives. In Jesus' lovely name, amen. I just want to share something with you very quickly. Just, it is really good to be back together. To, we've all been on holiday, we've all been all over the place. It is really good to be here together. And I just, I felt all day that God just wants to do something among us to bring us unity. And uh, it's just I, just, I just want to declare it over us almost, that as we are, as we have unity between us, it's almost like being of one heart and one mind and one purpose. As we are un- united in that, then God will come. And the Bible tells us where there is unity his presence is there. And the unity comes from knowing the truth and all having that in our hearts. Because as you have that truth in your heart, there is only one response, actually. And that is, I have to worship Jesus. Because he has done such an amazing thing. And I just want you to have that in your hearts this week, wherever you're going, work and stuff, or you know, whatever you're doing, the unity of Christ in your hearts. It's so important for us as a church. 
So important. And where that is, God commands the blessing. And that is what we want. We want the Holy Spirit to come and command the blessing in this church. And I just captured something in the Spirit this morning, just having everyone back from holidays, you know, you've been all over the world and the stuff. It's just so good. Just blessed me and thrilled my heart. And I just pray that as we go on this term, as Phil said, we've got so much to do, so many exciting things happening. Just pray that God is at the very center of everything. So Jesus, we delight in you. Be with us, Lord Jesus, this term as we go forward. We have lots of things we want to do and just pray you be with us in every single one, Lord Jesus. And just want to say right now, you are at the center of everything we do, Jesus. You are at the center. We come to worship you. We come to lift you up. We come to delight in you and give you the glory and honor that is due to your name. Amen.